Hey, I want to welcome you. If you are a guest with us this morning, uh, my name is Blake Hilgenfeld, one of the pastors here, and we are very grateful and thankful that you're here with us on this uh, third week of Advent. It's really crazy that we have two more weeks to go before Christmas Eve. Uh, and so uh, just to let you guys know, on Christmas Eve, which falls on a Sunday, uh, we will be having our 1045 uh, service, but we will also be having a Christmas Eve uh, service at 530. Uh, and so if you're going to be in town, uh, we'd love for you to join us. Uh, please make plans to be here. Bring your friends, bring your family. The Christmas Eve service is always one of my favorite times of worship for my family, but also uh, to be able to worship with the, with the larger Providence Road family. So again, if you're going to be in town, please join us. Uh, that's Sunday, 1045 service, and then 530 for the Christmas um, Eve service. Uh, but this morning, like I said, this is our third week of Advent. Now, if you are not familiar with what Advent is, it really is just a time within the church calendar, uh, four weeks that we take uh, to prepare our hearts to celebrate the coming or the arrival of our Savior and King, uh, Jesus Christ. And so we have been looking at the story of Jesus uh, through the eyes of normal, everyday people that God used in significant ways to bring about His rescue or his salvation of us. And so three weeks ago, we looked at, uh, we looked at Mary. Last week, we looked at, uh, at Joseph. And this morning, we're going to just look at the story through the eyes of uh, the shepherds. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be uh, starting in verse 8. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. The verses will be on the screen. But there is a Bible maybe under your seat that's see next to you. I do encourage you to open up and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. So let's start reading these verses and let us, let us just be amazed at what our God has done to bring about our rescue and salvation. Verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the, the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they heard and seen as it had been told to them. Let's pray. Father, I stand before your people this morning as your messenger. And I am thankful and grateful that you use weak human beings to be your messenger. But that is what I am, Father, and I'm in desperate need of your power this morning. We all are. 
We are in need of your power to give us eyes to see. We are in need of your grace to convict our hearts of sin. We are in need of our hearts to see this morning the beauty and the glory of the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So Father, we ask that you will come this morning and do a mighty work among us. Father, that we will not just take this story for granted, that we will not take the, the, the reality and the truth that a Savior has come, that it will not just go in one ear and out the other, and we'll be bored with it, and we will yawn. But Father, that you would help us to be in awe of the beauty and the sufficiency of the Savior. That he would be worshipped more among us this morning. That he would be treasured as a treasure that he is. And that our hearts would respond in praise and worship to him this morning. And our lives would be given over to him as an act of worship. Come, meet with us. Living God, come through your spirit and meet with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you had an important message or news that you wanted to spread, who would you go to to spread this news? I mean, let's just say that just for example, that we somehow, way, came up with the cure of all of human diseases. Who would we go to to spread this news? We would probably go to someone that had a lot of power, right? Someone that has a lot of influence. Someone that has the most Facebook friends or Twitter followers. Uh, someone that has a large audience, someone that has a large reach, uh, someone uh, who people would actually listen to. As human beings, we are dependent upon the powerful, powerful and the persuasive and the significant. But not only are we uh, dependent upon them, we find ourselves elevating them and being, and being gravitated to the powerful and the persuasive. So if you just look in uh, politics or TV or even within the, the Christian community, we get gravitate to the, to the persuasive and the, the powerful. We, we follow and we listen to influencers, those who society says are really cool and charismatic. We gravitate to them. Why do you think that we do this? Well, I think one reason is that we want to be like them. And two... Another reason why we elevate and we, we, we gravitate to the persuasive and the charismatic and the, and the powerful is because by being associated with them, it makes us feel better about ourselves. It, it makes us feel more valuable. It makes us feel more significant. So as human beings, uh, that is what we do. If you look at the world around us, we elevate uh, the powerful and the influential and the significant. That's who we are. That's what we do as human beings, but not God. God's not like us. You see, God had a message that he wanted to spread, that he wanted uh, to get out to the world, a message and news that is infinitely greater than the cure for all of human diseases. And who does he come to? Who does he come to to spread this news, to get this message out? He comes to the lowly. He comes to those with the least amount of power, the least amount of influence, 
He comes to, the, uh, to those who society sees as outsiders, as dirty, as poor, as irreligious. He does not come to the clean and the put together. He doesn't come to the rich. He doesn't come to the powerful. He doesn't come to the charismatic. He doesn't come to the, to the influencers. He doesn't, he doesn't even come to those uh, who, who society sees as kind of the religious church-going folk. He comes to shepherds. Now, as we move along in the story, this story is soaked with imagery and irony. For think about this, who did the shepherds spend all of their time with? Lambs or, or sheep. And what were lambs used for during this time? Sacrifices. So if you are not aware, at this time, the people of Israel uh, were given by God this institution or this way uh, to be forgiven of their sin. And so they would take animals like lambs and they would serve as the people's substitute. So you would take a lamb without any blemish, it was spotless, that was a perfect lamb, and they would by faith take the sin and place it on the, the, uh, the head of the lamb or on the animals, and the animals then would be slain or be slaughtered as an atonement for sin. So the lamb would take their place as a sacrifice to take the punishment as their substitute. So here God comes to the very people whose job it was, who gave their life to care for the very animals that would likely be used as sacrifices to atone for the sins of people. That is huge, as we're going to see in just a moment. But let us take a look at the shepherds. By their association with these animals and sin and sacrifices, as a result of that association with uh, these, these animals, they were seen as unclean. They were seen as dirty. They were seen as irreligious, and many of them were. Because by their association with them, not only were they uh, unclean, but they were not able to participate in these religious ceremonies. And so they were outcasts by the religious uh, society and institution. They were poor. They had no influence. They were powerless. Society didn't want to have anything to do with them. They were outcasts. But here God comes and draws near to them. I love this about God. And I hope that you love this about God too. That this is his heart. That this is his desire. Because let's be honest, what if God was like us? What if God only associated with and came to and wanted to be with the strong and the powerful and the rich. I mean, what if it was God's only desire to, to be with and have a relationship with it and, and seek after and associate with only the neat, the clean, the self-righteous, and the religious folk? This would not be good news for us, would it? Why? Because the reality and the truth is we are all shepherds. Spiritually, we are all spiritually poor. As Matthew 5, 3 says that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Every single one of us, we are in poverty. We are, in, we, we are poor. We are lacking a heart that truly loves our creator, God, and maker. Every one of us. 
We are all in, in, in need. We are all lacking. We are all poor. We're all in poverty of a life that is truly acceptable and pleasing to God, a life that honors him, a life that treasures him above all things. For that is what we were created to do, is to treasure and love God above all things. But we are all lacking in a poverty of a life that has done this perfectly. Every one of us. And so therefore, the result of that, every single one of us, we are covered with this filth. We are all then therefore unclean with the filth of regrets and past mistakes. And we're all unclean and we're all guilty of immoral thoughts and moral behaviors and immoral actions that no one ever really sees, but we know them and we hide them from others, even from God. We know the thoughts that come into our head. We know the desires that are in our hearts and those most of the time, a lot of time, are immoral and wicked and dark. But we hide them. And we are fearful of actually those being exposed for the world to see. I mean, if the world could see every thought that comes into our mind and every desire that comes into our heart, it would produce this gripping shame as a result of that. But since we have that and no one sees it, we are still caught up in our shame. We are still caught up in our guilt as a result of failing to love and treasure God above all things. We have this pile of debt that we cannot pay as a result of our iniquities and transgressions against a holy and righteous God. And therefore, we all wear the shepherd's clothing of shame that we cannot take off. And we're all outcasts due to these actions and these thoughts and behaviors. And we do not deserve one good or merciful thought by God. We do not deserve his association. We do not deserve his friendship. We do not deserve his fellowship. But like the shepherds, God draws near to us. He comes to us. He comes to the irreligious. He comes to the immoral. He comes to the unclean and the broken. He comes to the weak and the powerless. He comes to those who don't have everything together. He, he comes to those who are ashamed of their dark past. He comes to those who are burdened by the guilt and the reality of their sin. He came to shepherds then, and he still comes and draws near to spiritually poor shepherds like you and me today. So the question is, do you see yourself as a shepherd? Do you see yourself as spiritually poor? Do, do you see yourself having this debt that you um, have to pay to God that, that you can never pay off by anything that you do on your own? No matter good works, no matter kindness can pay off uh, the debt that we have to pay to God. The wages uh, that we have earned in this life does not bring us eternal life. It actually brings us eternal death due to our own sin and rebellion against God. That is what we deserve. That is in our bank account. Do you see that? Are you aware of your, your dirtiness and your uncleanliness? Even our own goodness and kindness to others is still stained by our selfish desires to do these acts of goodness and kindness. Do you see and are you aware that we actually don't deserve to be a part of God's kingdom, that we don't deserve to be a part of his presence because any sin that we bring into God's presence must be casted out and destroyed. And since we're all sinners by nature, none of us deserves to be in the presence of God and in his kingdom, we all deserve to be separated from this. Do you see yourself as a spiritually poor shepherd? Because listen very carefully. If we don't see this, 
If we're not aware of our spiritual poverty, then the message that the angels bring to the the shepherds will not be good news to us. Actually, we're going to be very bored with it this morning. We'll find ourselves yawning and thinking about other news that we feel like is more important, like how our fantasy football team is doing. We're in the playoffs, right? If you made the playoffs. We're thinking about what's for lunch. It'll go in one ear and out the other, and we will totally miss the significance of Christmas. And we will not hear the news that is infinitely greater and more important for your life and soul than, in the, than, than the cure uh, for human diseases that has the solution for the cure of your soul and the, and the eternal destiny of your soul. But listen, if you're aware of your poverty, if you're aware of your, of your guilt and shame and sin and the reality of that, that you're a spiritually poor shepherd in need of a savior, then listen to this, hear this, rejoice in this news. Celebrate in this news that the angels say to the shepherds in verse 10, look at it. Let's be amazed at this. And the angel said to to them, the shepherds, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God of the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Here is the announcement. Here is the good news. I mean, here is the news that created a heavenly party and a heavenly celebration, the news of God that he says to us that a Savior has come who is Christ the Lord. This is the news. This is the good news. That a Savior would come and be born, and He would come for the broken, for the outcast, for the unclean, for the guilt-ridden, the ashamed, the sinful shepherds. A Savior has come. The angels say to the shepherds, unto you, unto you, Unto you who are dirty, unto you who know the guilt of of your sin, unto you who are outcasts, unto you who are spiritually poor, unto you who are weak and powerless and can do nothing to save yourself, unto you and me, a Savior is born. The news is this, that God has come to us. That God has come to save us. Let's not take that lightly this morning. If we, if we are taking that lightly even now, if it's kind of it's going one ear one out the other, if it's kind of washing over, let us, as you continue on, as we continue on, let us just think in the back of our mind, what if he didn't come? What if the Savior didn't come? He's come. That's the news. He has come. And along with this news, the angels give the shepherds a sign. Now, this sign may not mean much to us on the surface. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet that most of us have heard this sign and we've heard it and we've seen it a thousand times on Charlie Brown's Christmas, right? Unto you, right? Unto you, or, or this is a sign for you. And what's the sign? You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. But what's the point? What's the big deal of this? Well, what's the big deal of this sign? This sign, guys, would have left the shepherds speechless. For they would have known the imagery and the irony and the significance in this one word, manger. 
Because where is a manger? It's in a stable. And what's in stables? Lambs. And what are lambs used for? Sacrifice. Do you see the significance and the irony of this one word manger and the sign? You see, when the shepherds found Joseph and Mary, they were not looking for just any baby. They were looking for the Savior, the Lamb of God, who would come and take away their sin. They knew that this baby wrapped not in wool, but in cloth, lying uh, in a manger, in a stable among, uh, among the lambs, would one day grow up to become the Savior, the Lamb of God, who would take away the sin of the world. And so like the lambs, like they were familiar with lambs, they spent their lives with lambs and sheep. Uh, they, they spent their life caring for them and watching over them, and they knew the reality of what, of, of what these lambs would face, that one day they would be slaughtered, and they knew that one day this baby would be slaughtered to atone for the sin of poor, unclean, dirty, immoral Shepherds, this baby would one day grow up and be stripped naked to take upon their shame. That one day this pure and perfect human being who has never lived a perfect life except for this baby grown up, this Savior who is Christ the Lord, that one day he would, he would become the Lamb of God and he would be slaughtered to take away their sin. This baby is the prophetic promise of Isaiah 53. That he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that was led to the slaughter and like a sheep that was before its shearers, it's silent. He opened not his mouth, but he was wounded for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. This baby born in a stable among the lambs in a manger is the very lamb of God who came to take away your sin. This baby born in the city of David, among the lambs, in a stable, in a manger, came to die and save spiritually poor shepherd, the clean, unclean, the dirty, the guilt-ridden, the ashamed, like you and me. This baby born in this stable owned everything, for he is God in the flesh. He owned everything. And he became poor. And he grew up and he spent his life as an outcast, loving the outcast. He'd be seen as clean and, and dirty by the religious and self-righteous folk. Why? Because he associated with the irreligious and the, uh, and the unrighteous. Why did he do this? Because this is who he came for. And this is who he gravitates to. God. In the flesh, born among lambs, in a stable, in a manger, he came for those who can't help themselves. He who was rich became poor, was born poor, lived poor, and he died to save the spiritually poor, you and me. So listen very carefully. Do you know yourself to be poor in spirit? Do you know the guilt of your sin? Are you aware of that reality? 
that if we stand before a holy and righteous God, none of us can stand before him innocent. That we haven't treasured him as he rightly deserves, that we have treasured ourselves, we have treasured created things more than him, and this does not please him. Like, all, like, like sheep, we all have gone astray. We all run from our, our shepherd. We've all run from the good king. We all have run from our creator. We have all run from him, and we've turned our backs to him, and we have sought after the things that he created and see them as more important, and we've treasured and loved those things more than our creator God. And so as a result, do you see yourselves before him? who can stand before him and have him accept you. If you're aware of your spiritual poverty, if you're aware of the weight of your sin and shame, then there is no better news. There is no better news of great joy than to hear the angels say, I bring you, I bring you, I bring those who are, who, are, who are spiritually poor, I bring you good news to those who know they need a savior, someone who can save them from their sin, someone who can, can take away their shame and clothe them with something beautiful. Unto you is the best news in all the world. A savior has come who is Christ the Lord and his name is Jesus. And he is the lamb of God who takes away your sin. You believe this news? Do you believe this news? Sadly, guys, sadly, there are many, many, many people who did not believe this news and who will not turn to the Savior. And for them, the ultimate path for them does not lead to salvation, it actually leads to separation. Because anyone who does not have the Savior, anyone who is separated from the Savior, the reality is they are still in the sin and guilt and condemnation when ultimately it leads to judgment and separation. But the Savior has come. And for those of you who believe, and for those of you who have turned to the Savior, rejoice this morning. Rejoice. Be happy. Like the angels celebrate, right? Party, why? Because the Savior has come, you are no longer guilty of anything. Your sins are forgiven. You are innocent, clean, and you are happy and free. All because the Savior came, he was born, and he was slain. And he has taken your sin to the grave. And it's buried in his tomb. And it will never, ever be brought up against you ever. Why? Because who's going to condemn you? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God won't. Why? Because the Savior was born and slain to take away your sin. If you believe this good news, then let me tell you that you are the richest and most wealthiest person in all the world. As Romans 4, 7 says, blessed is the man or woman against whom the Lord will not count his sin, for this is the greatest gift. This is the greatest news that you can ever receive because if your sin are forgiven, you know what you have? The Lord is now your own. He belongs to you and you belong to him. And there's no greater gift than to have God himself, to have him as your treasure 
to have his pleasure upon you, to have his love upon you, to have his forgiveness upon you, to have his life, to have in relationship with him. There is no greater gift. And if you've received him and you've turned to him, this is yours. Rejoice. And fear not. Fear not. For if God is for you, what is there to fear? What, what is there in your future to fear? What is there in your present circumstances are, is there to fear if the God of all creation is now for you? Fear not. The future. Why? Because the God who owns, owns everything, the God that controls everything, he is for you. He's for you. Fear not rejection. Why? Because the God of all creation now is with you. Fear not punishment. Why? Because God has forgiven you. Fear not death. Why? Because the Savior has come and he has slain and you will be with him forever. Fear not anything because you now have the peace of God upon you. What is there to fear? Who is there to fear? If you have God's pleasure among you and on you, then be amazed. Be amazed this morning, glorify him, treasure him as he rightly deserves. That he is not like us, but that he has come to the poor and the broken and the powerless and the weak to save us. This is the greatest news. And this is the news of Christmas. A savior has been born who is Christ the Lord. Now listen, if you have received this news, then here is now the reality of your life. Not only now is God's peace upon you and you have the forgiveness of, uh, of sin and you have eternal life in his presence. Not only do you have that and that's yours, but here on earth now, here is your reality. You are now messengers of this news. Look at verse 15. This is the response of the shepherds. Now, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they went. They were given the news and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, what'd they do? They made known the saying that, the, that, that they had been told concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in their heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they heard and seen as it had been told to them. Listen, God is still on a mission today to get this news out. God is still on mission today to spread his glory among all peoples, among all nations, tongues, and tribes, to fill this earth with his glory. That is his purpose. That is his mission. And the way that he does that is to send us, those who have received this news of the Savior, to send us out to proclaim the news the Savior has come. That's now our reality. And guys, I'm so thankful and grateful that he used shepherds to do this. That he didn't use the powerful and the influential and the charismatic and the, and the significant. He used those who, uh, who were weak. He, he used those whose, whose voices didn't carry uh, much weight. Why? Why does God do this? Here's why God does this. Because the power and the glory is not in the messenger. 
The power and the glory is in God and his news. So as I stand before you every Sunday, as Jeremy stands before you, as, as we go out and we proclaim this news, listen, the, the glory and the power does not belong to me. It does not belong to you. The life-saving power, the soul-saving power is in the news about what this baby born in a stable among lambs in a manger would ultimately accomplish through his life, death, and resurrection. In other words, the power that affects and changes people's eternal destinies and destinations. is that all who have childlike faith in this news and the Savior and turn to him will be saved. That's the power. What determines your salvation and my salvation and the salvation of people in the city is whether or not we believe this news and we turn to the Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is the only way in. This is the only entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Belief and trust and turning to and submitting to Christ, the Savior born in the city of David, is the only way a person can be saved. So listen, if you believe that news, if you trust in the Savior, if you've turned to him, if you pledge your allegiance to him, if you bowed your knee to the King of Kings, who is Jesus Christ, then it was God, it was God who powerfully brought you into this rock-solid, unchangeable, unshakable reality that your sins are forgiven, that God is yours, and your eternal destiny is with him. God did this, and he's given you this news to spread. And it's the greatest gift that we can spread and give this Christmas. So here's the call, and here's our response. As we leave here, if you have received this news, then give it away. Go and be like the shepherds, glorifying and praising God for the salvation that you have received. But we go and we make this news and this salvation known to those around us that the treasure that we have received, we go and we proclaim and give the treasure away. So the question is, who is one person in your life who needs to hear this news this week? Who's one person that needs to hear this? You have them in your mind, in your heart? Then go. And be like the good shepherd and lay your life down for them. Go and risk everything. That's what a shepherd does, right? A shepherd goes and, and risks everything. They risk their reputation. They risk other fears. They lay it all down to rescue lost sheep. And that one person that you're thinking about is the lost sheep. And how are they going to be rescued? It's hearing the news of the Savior. And you have the message. You have the news. So let's go. Let's go this Christmas. Let's go this week. And let's spread this news. And let's take great comfort and joy knowing that the power is not in your ability to proclaim this news. The power belongs to God. It's his message. And he is the one who brings salvation to his people. So let us go with this news that a Savior has been born who is Christ the Lord. He is good news for all people. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.